Welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe as I talk to Emily Carding from Let the Bodies Pile. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Yes, the Edinburgh Fringe is underway. The previews are all over. The venues are open. We've had a little taster from them of some of the 3,000 shows and more that are taking to the stage throughout August here in Edinburgh as it transforms itself into the arts capital of the world. And this is probably a good point to remind you of my rule of three if you're one of the millions of people who buy tickets up here. Yep, if you're only up for one show, and it is very expensive considering the current climate, so, you know, always do the backup. But if you're looking to do a couple more shows, I always have this rule of three that I say every year. Go to a show that you definitely know about, that you definitely want to see. That might be somebody off the television, that might be a playwright that you're incredibly comfortable with, um, or even um, a pianist who appears every single year and you always go to the shows. Have something in that, that number one, that is just going to be incredibly reliable. At number two, get other people's recommendations. That might be here from the podcast. It might be the reviews, be it off the various websites, print, newspapers and magazines that all cover the fringe. Something that somebody else really likes that you connect with is number two. And number three, it is the fringe. I would just recommend opening up a page in the day or, or just going to a random page because not everything is printed now and just choosing something completely at random and see what happens. Now, obviously, of course, as I said, sir, the economic conditions are very, very tight at the moment for many people, but you do have a number of shows that are either in special offers or we're still early enough in the run that you might get some preview or two-for-one offers, but also you've got the various free fringes out there as well, so you can take a chance on those. It's usually money in the bucket, and then you can decide how much to pay. It's it's all and they they all, everything has a different flavour at the fringe. There's no one definite way of doing the fringe. There are many many facets to the fringe. It's one of the reasons that I love this time of year. It's a mix of genres and motions, stand up and dance through music, cabaret, theatre and beyond. It goes from light and fluffy, inconsequential to hard hitting, heavy themes that just make you stop and think hours, days, weeks, months, sometimes even years after seeing the show. It's one of those heavier shows that's in today's podcast. Emily Carding is one of the performers in Let the Bodies Pile. The other is writer-performer Henry Naylor. It's an intensely political piece, and it looks at the reaction to COVID here in the United Kingdom, primarily in residential nursing and care homes and how society dealt with those decisions, the consequences or the lack of consequences arising from that. As I said, it is one of those heavier shows. It does go into the pandemic, the response and feelings and emotions around that. And that is going to be reflected in the interview as well. Emily Carding from Let the Bodies Pile. Thank you. 
Joining me now on the Edinburgh Fringe podcast, Emily Carding, from a new piece of work at the Fringe, which is challenging, political, but for a lot of long-term Fringe watchers, the fact that it's written by Henry Naylor is going to make this an absolute must-see. So from the show, Let the Bodies Pile, Emily joins me now. Thanks for coming along, Emily. Thanks so much for inviting me. Tell me a little bit about how it felt to be asked to do this show. Henry and I have been aware of each other's work for a while and we'd seen each other's work over the years. In particular, I remember seeing his Echoes quite a few years back and we we crossed paths at um, Prague Fringe back in the autumn, so not this year's, but last year's. Um, And that was the first time we'd actually properly met. I went to see his Afghanistan is not funny. He saw my quintessence and we both had this moment of, oh, wow, our shows are really different from each other's, but they're also really different from everything else. But there is definitely a crossover point. This is challenging material. It's political material. It makes people think. And we both had that moment of like, it'd be really good to do something together. And he gave me his card and I sort of messaged him a little bit after saying, do, do you want to do something? And he was like, I was just going to message you and suggest the same thing. So it's it was a sort of a mutual hunger for collaboration. And I was absolutely delighted, obviously, because Henry is a brilliant playwright. His work is just extraordinary. And um, we share a similar sort of dark sense of humour, I think. We don't mind going to the dark places and then having unexpected moments that might shock people and might make people laugh. Um, And yeah, and I I had been hungry to do something political, to challenge this this sort of regime that we find ourselves living under. Um, So yeah, what a great opportunity and I think perfect timing for it, yeah. I mean, it's almost like, it sounds like the two of you had the same sort of tonal match in those shows at Prague. That's right. They were both dark shows that had surprising humour in them and they were both political. Um, Very, very different topically. I mean, Afghanistan is not funny. I think a lot of people will know it was Henry's real life story about going to Afghanistan to research an Edmund Finn show, which is an absurd concept in itself. But if you see the show, it's incredibly moving as well and has moments of real horror in it. Uh, My Quintessence was a high-concept sci-fi about an AI in the far future that has to recreate humanity using the works of Shakespeare as a guide. A lot of my work's been very heavily influenced or is directly adaptations of Shakespeare. But they're both things that send you away, not like, oh, content that I have been fed a thing, but they send you away thinking and questioning and analysing things. And and they both said a lot about humanity in very different ways. so we're both very much on the same track with this, um, which is is great. And and the director as well, um, Darren Lee Cole from New York, from the Soho Playhouse. We're all very much aligned. So we're able to really get a lot done very quickly and not back away from being quite punchy with it and being really open, but also confrontational. Um, to have moments of real touching emotion with some quite surreal moments as well. So it's a very satisfying 
creative process. Very, um, very satisfying collaboration. I love that the spark was you finding like two shows that were very close to each other because as we go into Let the Bodies Pile, we have mm. two two strands, two stories that are being told here, intertwined with each other, both of which go to incredibly dark places. One of them uh, deals with a care home uh, during COVID here and the lockdown in the United Kingdom. And another strand deals with Harold Shipman. That's uh, right. Who, for those listening outside of the UK, is the largest mass murderer that we've had on this aisle. Until, arguably, COVID and the UK government, which is the connection between those. There's, there's one character as well who tie, who runs through both, who ties those stories together. But that was the idea uh, to draw attention to shine a spotlight on the absolute travesty um the the outrageous state of affairs that the government has not been held to account at all for how they handled covid um and specifically looking at not only the government's attitude but also a lot of everyday folks attitude to old people during that because I don't know about you, but I definitely heard people say, well, isn't it mostly just old people who are getting it? Isn't it just the old people who die? It's like, are they not people too? Did they not count? What, what, uh, let's let's stop for a minute and look at this attitude of, wait, they've had their lives, so can we stop and actually have a moment to look at where what's happened to empathy, what's happened to caring, and isn't that the most important thing that we could have? But it's not black and white. And the situation that, that carers in care homes were put in where they're, you know, they're overworked and and somebody, there's a difference between somebody who's taken on a job in a care home who suddenly finds themselves in the middle of a pandemic to somebody working for the for the NHS or a doctor or a nurse or somebody who's used, who would be, perhaps that's one of the risks that they take on that you know, maybe sometimes dealing with contagious people that's not something that you would expect from an incredibly low-waged worker working under those conditions. So it's looking at a lot, of, a lot of that situation and how truly grisly, awful and traumatic it was for the people in the care home and for the carers and for the families, um, for, for everybody. Plus, widely looking at how COVID affected us all. Like, didn't we all go a bit mad? How responsible does that make you feel on stage when you have this seismic event in history of the world? Let's let's try let's keep it to the UK just now, but this this impacted the world. And you've boiled yeah. it down and in the show, especially any fringe show, the performers carry so much on their shoulders. This must be a tremendous weight as a performer. You just have to think about telling the story that you're telling you can't possibly take on the whole global weight of the of the trauma the unprocessed global trauma that everybody's carrying you start to think about that and it's it that's just overwhelming but what you can do is tell the microcosmic story and carry the macrocosm with that the only way to really accurate to, to emotionally tell a story is to hone in on the personal and and show two people or one person or, or a group of people just in that one small place that story and through that you can hope that people will see something that they can relate to and it 
they'll feel that their story is perhaps being touched on or told. Um, you try to tell everybody's story and you fall, you can't, it's too big. But if you, if you bring it in small and, and bring in the detail and paint that picture clearly, then I, I think that we can make something really worth experiencing. Um, it's a story then worth telling. And I hope that now is a good time. There's that little bit of distance, but it almost feels like people are trying to forget about that now. And it's like, okay, look, we've stepped away from it. You've had a bit of a break. People are still catching COVID now. <laughs> Let's look back at that and look at where we are now. And why hasn't this been addressed? And how can we stop this from happening again? When you were looking back to find where you can build your performance on, you'd have had to look back, presumably at your own time during the pandemic and lockdown. Did did that distance affect you? What's been really interesting for me with what Henry's written, with the characters, and there's two, two main, I'm playing a lot of characters, but primarily I'm playing two main characters in each timeline. Um, my COVID experience, I have to say, was pretty chill. Um, I'm not massively close with family. I didn't have any major trauma. The whole industry sort of ground to a halt. And so for the most part, I was like, well, I, I entered a mode of acceptance. I was like, there's nothing I can do about this. So I am going to take this opportunity to take a break. I was one of the lucky people. I lived opposite a park. Um, I could get out and walk down to the sea because I, li I live down in Hastings. I didn't have a bad time of COVID. But what's really interesting about the characters and the story that Henry's written is it goes right into people's families, into their childhood, into their pasts, into their relationship with family, into their relationship with hometowns. And within that, even though I'm not really similar to either of the characters, I was like, oh, well, gosh, in this character, I see something of my relationship, my difficult relationship with family. And in this character, I see this is exactly my relationship with my hometown. That's almost spooky. Like, so I've been able, so I've actually had to dig deep, far deeper into my past than back to 2020. I, I've been digging right back to my childhood and to my awkward teenage years growing up and to all of the stuff that I don't necessarily always want to dig into, but I'm like, oh, actually this is, this comes, this is where, this is my connection point here. This is my connection point here for this character. Um, and that's been very interesting, very interesting um, that that's there because Henry didn't know that stuff about me, but yeah. Very interesting. And you're performing this with Henry on stage. That's right, yeah. So presumably Henry's had to share his experiences with you in the same way that you have started to share that with, with him and, and with us as well, which I say thank you. So that must be a really interesting cyclical process because you're doing it with the writer of the piece, but also with your co-star. Yeah, um, we've... Now that the writing's done, we've been able to settle into 
just because thankfully we've got Darren as an outside eye, as a director, which is great. And what's lovely is the dynamic between the three of us. Everybody's got ideas and suggestions. Everybody's open to suggestions. And then generally we can all make our case clearly without anybody falling out. And then the best choice, because overall, all of all that we all want is to make a really great piece of theatre. There's no like personal agenda. So even though Henry's the writer, he's like, oh, no, you're right. No, that's great. Change that. He's he's so open to everything. So we, we have, we've made a lot of changes as we've gone and moulded it all together, which has been really lovely. There's none of this. No, this is what I wrote. This is what it has to be. And this is it's been a really lovely collaborative process. Um, and, and Darren is director's very experienced so he has a really good eye for what will work um and and if 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 you have a suggestion that he's not sure he's like okay show me so it's yeah it's been great it's not been strange i mean i'm also a writer and a performer so i get it um and it's lovely now to just be able to work with henry in the scenes um yeah not 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 a challenge at all it's actually really nice it's working with henry what you expected it would be like I don't know whether what my expectations were really. The quality of the writing is absolutely like, oh, this is gorgeous. Um, and yeah, from from having met him and seen his work, he's actually much more humble for somebody who has the successes that he's had and and won all of these awards and travelled as much as he has and. He's still so incredibly humble. He's like, no, 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 you bring that to it. Oh, yeah, okay, let's change it to that. Oh, no, you're right. I mean, so in in that regard, I don't know whether that's a surprise, but it's very welcome. Um, and you can't always tell what somebody's going to be like to work with. Um, but it's been great. And now you prepare for August. We're recording this just before uh, the Fringe mm-hmm. kicks off. Uh, mm-hmm. And you've got what? three or four weeks when you're living each, in each other's pockets and this on a cramped stage in the busiest arts festival of the world. I mean, have you got any plan as a performer how you deal with the unique intensity of Edinburgh? I've done Edinburgh a fair few times now. Um, it's nice to be getting back to do the full month again. This is my first time. I was in a show last year, Princess and the Dragon, which was lovely, but it was just for a week. Previous to COVID, I'd done much more intense um runs this year i'm staying with a friend in glasgow so i'm going to be traveling in and out so i've got somewhere to get away to i'm not staying in a flat with (laughs) with henry and darren and everything we're staying in different places i'll be traveling in and doing the show if i'm having a good energy day I'll try and see some things afterwards. I've got obviously I've got friends here in shows. I've got friends up lots of friends up in Edinburgh that I want to see catch up with. Um, but I'm going to be very careful with my energy levels. I've I'm, I'm gonna make self-care a priority, especially with an emotionally intense show like this, because I'm gonna have to really pace myself. There's no days off, it's a full month, there's no days off for this show. So I'm very aware of of the burnout that can happen and of the emotional roller coaster that Edinburgh can be. Um, it's nice not to have to have a producer hat on this time, I have to say. It's always a joy to just be in Edinburgh just as an actor 
without having to worry about the numbers or anything like that. So for me, it's, I, I'm hoping it's going to be just a, a great time and just lovely to be back up there. Um, having had the experiences where I've been a mess like halfway through. So I think I'm, I'm hoping I'm pretty well prepared for that. Yeah. So the show itself, as you said, that runs right through to the end of August on the 27th. Gilded Balloon in the dining room, 4pm every day. We'll have a link straight into the box office back on our website, which of course is enverfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Gildedballoon.co.uk has its website as well. And Emily, no doubt you have a CV and portfolio online for people to follow your career as well. I do, yes. I'm very easy to find on all of the social media. I'm just Emily Carding and I have my website, emilycarding.com for anybody who wants to check in, see who I am and what I'm doing. And we'll have a direct link to there back on our website and show notes as well. So you've got one place to follow on your website. Emily, it is, it's challenging, it's emotional, it's political. It is one of the things I look forward to discovering at the Fringe every year. These one hour moments that encapsulate what it means to be the fringe thanks for taking the time out to tell us and talk to us about let the bodies pile thank you so much i can't wait to show it to you Emily Carding there from the show Let the Bodies Pile. As mentioned, links back into the ticket office are our website, enverfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. The show itself is on at Gilded Balloon, 4pm every day, right through until the end of the Fringe on the 27th of August. As always, link, like, love, share, subscribe, all the usual things uh, for socials on the podcasts. But the main thing is, I hope you enjoy listening to it. Uh, I hope it gives you a flavour of the Fringe. As I said, 3,000 plus shows we get about 20 or 30 covered here on the podcast. So just realise how much diversity is at the Fringe, how much we can capture here. It's just a tiny, tiny pocket of everything that descends on Edinburgh. There is something here for everybody. It shows just how important the arts are to the fabric of the United Kingdom and beyond. So I'll say to Ra for now and catch you in the next podcast. I'm Ewan Spence. That was Edinburgh Today. We'll have more tomorrow. You've been listening to the Edinburgh Fringe Show, hosted by you and Spence, produced by the Podcast Corner. Listen to more from the Fringe at edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Edinburgh Fringe.